make a note right um so people say that ai is going to take over the jobs right if you look at this processing industry there's a lot of jobs you are automating but the thing is you are actually uh you're not you're moving from one uh work to a different type of work it's you're challenging yourself that's you know humans are meant to be creative and challenge your uh, you know yourself and do you know exciting things rather than mundane repetitive tasks so i keep saying that ai is not going to replace it's going to augment the uh, human workforce data artificial intelligence the metaverse crypto and web3 and quantum computing are just a few of the technology innovations that are changing the way we live, work and experience the universe. I am your host Ganesh Padmanabhan and this is Stories in AI, a podcast where we explore the various facets of technologies like AI, its impact on individuals, organizations and the society. You will hear from a variety of experts and practitioners, their personal stories, their best practices and advice to put technology to work. I hope you enjoy this engaging conversations. Now before we begin, a note about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Experian, whom you may know as the Consumer Credit Bureau, but they are at heart a data company. When you're buying a car or home, sending your kids to college, or borrowing to grow your business, Experian is most likely helping you behind the scenes. They unlock the power of data to make better decisions, get access to financial services, and to prevent crime, unlocking a whole world of opportunities for individuals and organizations. Find out more at experian.com. In today's conversation, I speak with Aruna Patam. Aruna is a well-known global AI thought leader and a women advocate. She's based in Australia. and she's been recently recognized for her contribution to ai including the most admired global indians 2021 by passion vista international magazine and ai change maker leader 2022 by 3ai a leading ai community and also the ai global ambassador 2022 by the swiss cognitive ai community she has spent the last 22 plus years of her career delivering analytical platforms decision support systems and analytic solutions uh using AI and machine learning. She has held many technical and executive leadership roles at the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, Westpac, AMP Financial Services, SAS Australia, and currently she leads AI regionally for HCL. Um she's a thought leader, mentor, speaker blogger vlogger she has a youtube channel you can you should check that out you should go to arunapatam.com and we had a fascinating conversation we talked about everything from uh you know what it means to educate people in ai and why it's important why it's relevant uh, how do you actually take all the corporate experience that you have in multiple uh, companies and organizations and build on that to deliver value and the the challenges and the opportunities with ai in the industry. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Take a listen. Aruna, welcome to Stories in AI and thank you for joining us from Adelaide or uh, Australia, right? Australia, Sydney. I'm currently in Sydney. Sydney, Australia. How are you today? Not too bad, uh, Ganesh. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me to your show. Uh, you know, and hello to your audience. Uh, 
I, I must say I've been watching a lot of your videos, uh, you know, a lot of different people from different expertise and technology and industry. I've been learning a lot. So you're doing a great job. Continue to do so and give us a platform to share our views. So great. Thank you. Thank you, Aruna. No, I really appreciate your kind words. And it's people like you who are sharing your knowledge, experience, and expertise to the broader audience. I'm just the medium who's, you know, parlaying that, parlaying that information. So thanks again for uh, jumping on. Why don't we kick us off with your personal journey? What is your personal story? Can you share that with the audience? Yeah, sure. Um, yes, in terms of my background, I'm from uh, India, Chennai, South India. Um, so did all my schoolings and uh, finished my MBA, then migrated to Australia. Uh, and that's where I started my uh, computer science course. I did my post-graduation in computer science. Uh, then after finishing, I got an opportunity to work as a graduate recruitment in for SAS, which is a global con analytics consulting company. So that's where I started. Uh, yeah, great foundation with the tools and technologies. Um, you know, I've delivered many data analytics projects for them, data support systems, covering fraud, anti-money laundering, terrorist financing, credit risk, all compliance regulatory related uh, projects. And then I got an opportunity to work for Westpac, uh, where they were looking at uh, uh, streamlining their financial crimes um, platform. So it was a greenfield project. Uh, gave me a good opportunity because I had to set up the whole, the people process and technology side. Um, so it, it was a great experience. I had to understand the current state, identify what the future state is going to be and come up with initiatives, what uh, talent and team we need, how do we need to set up. So it, it was a great end-to-end -end, uh, um, you know, experience and also it uh, moved me from being a technical lead person to more of a management role. So that's the first step. Then I got an opportunity to work for Commonwealth Bank of Australia, one of the biggest bank in, in, in here, um, into a senior executive leadership role. So initially hesitant, but I got a great support, uh, you know, great boss, a good mentor. She was great. So I this um, gave me an opportunity into more on the overall strategy uh, data analytics and a bit on the governance side, data governance side, and um, and started uh, looking, exploring big data was getting popular, AI and data science. We were hearing noises about all of that. So I was doing my research around the topics. Um, then I got an opportunity again with Westpac. They reached out to me to manage their credit risk analytics systems. Um, again, it's a different space, uh, still in regulatory. Um, so uh, it was a great uh, um, uh, experience for me to uh, get uh, knowledge around the credit risk space. And um, uh, also I was part leading the analytics transformation program, which is looking at end-to-end -end transformation, starting with infrastructure, moving to cloud, uh, visualization, uh, agile delivery, DevOps, all of that end-to-end. -end. So that was a great experience for me there. And I also started, uh, now I started realizing that um, you know, AI and data science is going to be the next big thing. There's a lot of emerging technologies which is going to transform business. So I wanted to be part of this exciting journey. So I enrolled myself into Master of Data Science. Um, initially, a bit of doubt, you know, it's a two-year commitment, full-time job, three kids, um, and can I do it? But uh, my passion drove it. 
you know, it wasn't easy, I must say, you know, a late nights, uh, assessments, projects, all of that stuff. But I think if you love something you want to do, you will figure out a way is what I, I found out. So I did it, completed it with uh, good credits. And um, so that's that's how um, I, um, I've, I've got into uh, more technical data science. And uh, then HCL reached out to me. This time they are looking at uh, setting up a um, data science team for the Asia Pacific region. And I thought it's a great opportunity to in, you know, implement all I learned and all my experiences 22 plus years in this industry. So that's how it's all started. And that's where I am still, still going. Um, hopefully good. Wow. No, it's, it's amazing. What an accomplished journey. And, you know, a couple of things stand out, right? The, the, the notion of passion and your passion definitely comes through your passion for technology, your passion for AI, and your passion for empowering women in, you know, in technical roles in STEM and things like that. So definitely, uh, and, and you're very accomplished and you're being very uh, humble with your background, but, you know, you just got awarded the most, uh, one of the most admired global Indians 2021 by Passion Vista, uh, the AI change maker by the three AI community and so forth. So uh, really, really glad to be um, on this, um, you know, uh, this, this show having you on the show and thanks for sharing the journey. Now let's talk AI, right? And, and data and AI. And one of the things that, um, you know, AI has been around forever, right? For 60 plus years and ever since the Dharmat conference and so forth. Why now? And why is it relevant for everybody and every businesses right now? Yes, you're right. You know, it has been, AI has been there for many, many years, right? Now we are seeing a lot of talk about it and I, Personal feel is because of the confluence of three major forces, the uh, data, the storage, and the processing power, right? So now we have, you know, lots and lots of data, uh, you know, data from dark data and all that. We have all this data to be used and, and drive insights from. Next thing we have is we, we also have the compute power to be able to grant all this uh, data, to, you know, we did not have this uh, before. Now that's uh, helped us. And also now storage, uh, we now have, uh, uh, you know, storage is not becoming a problem. Before I used to, when I was managing uh, the systems, I need to think about storage, storage cost, how long it will take for the storage to come through. Now it's all, um, you know, you can store as much as you want. So all of this has enabled um, AI to, you know, to become bigger as it is right now. I, I is, uh, see analogy of a Ferrari, right? You have a Ferrari, but you don't have the infrastructure, the road and things to actually for you to make the optimal sure. use of uh, the car. Now we have everything. Yes. And, and uh, so that's where I, I think uh, um, where we have uh, taken AI. It's like all the stars have aligned for the right time for the AI revolution to happen. No, got it. Makes makes total sense. I think the time of AI is now. And, and like you said, like the, the democratization of algorithms and research also helped a lot. Cost of computing has gone down. Storage, as you mentioned, computing power. And then the data, like you said, right? I mean, like, I think they always say that, right? The, uh, the last two years generated more data than the yeah. entire human history put together, right? Yes. So it kind of is the culmination of everything. And uh, and I, it's pretty fascinating. And one of the things I noticed, and, and uh, for all the everybody listening or watching this, go to arunapatam.com and you have a very fascinating uh, series, a video series on a YouTube channel that goes with it that talks about, like, and you break down these complex concepts 
through animated videos. Can you talk about why you started that initiative and what was the purpose behind it and um, and, and how is that going? Thanks. It's an interesting question. In fact, uh, uh, there was a bit of a background for that. So initially, when I was, uh, you know, going into the AI journey myself, you know, having taking into account I'm being in the data analytics space for a long time. So this should not be, you know, too big of a shock for me. But still, for me, there's a lot of technical jargons. They talk about deep learning, neural networks, and machine learning, uh, supervised learning, all of this stuff. I thought, you know, for a person like me, I'm trying to, uh, you know, initially struggling to learn what about, because to me, AI is for everyone. It's going to touch everyone's life. And no matter whether you're technical or a business person, you need to know AI. And uh, there was a little fear, like it's too complex, it's too technical. Um, I wanted to sort of demystify that and make it look simple so everyone can understand it. Um, and also reiterate to myself that I also understand the concept in a more simplified way. So what happened was I, I, want, I did a, a short-term course on uh, AI strategy. And as part of that eight-week program, we have to create a video. And uh, at that time, the, for the organization I was working on, um, I liked doing some design aspects. So I was doing data literacy videos for them. Um, you know, um, importance of data, why we need and all that stuff. And when this, uh, they said we need to do an assessment and do a video, I thought, okay, I'll use the video animation that I do on AI. And uh, it was a three minute video to simplify AI concept. So I did that, presented, and, you know, I was overwhelmed with the support and the response I got. We had about 300 plus students, even including the lecturer. They never expected this and it, it helped uh, to understand. That's when I realized that there is an audience out there and they like this mode of, uh, you know, presenting, which is uh, more engaging. Um, so I thought, okay, I should do something about it. So I started creating knowledge nuggets, um, you know, uh, on topics of AI, types of AI, uh, you know, AI maturity model, uh, AI in banking, there's various, you know, two areas I like to focus one around simplifying and making it known for everyone. The other one, applications of AI, how it is applied to banking and utilities and retail and all of this stuff. Only three to five minutes, quick uh, snapshot. So that's how I started, started creating videos. And you know, which one was the most popular video um, that people liked? Any guesses? Maybe uh, what is AI? I would, I thought so, but it's actually history of AI. And it's, it, you know, in fact, when I w wanted to do that video, I was thinking twice. Is somebody really interested in history of AI? But I did it anyway, just to you know complete it. Like, you, what is AI and how does it come through? And that's been so far my you know biggest uh, viewership there. So uh, you sometimes the audience surprise you with what they look for, right? So that's how I started my journey. And then yeah, and then I moved from okay, I started sharing more. I think I got a bit bolder now, uh, confident. So. I did uh, blog articles. I started speaking in events, uh, all of that stuff. Now I'm doing more and more things outside of work and I needed a repository to keep everything. It was it was everywhere, right? If somebody asked for me, I have to give links everywhere. So that uh, made me to do a, a website where I put everything that I do uh, in one repository so people can refer to. So that's how the journey became. And I think I like this journey um, because often you do... You work for an organization, you contribute, but, you know, you need to give back to the community as well. Of all, you know, for 20 plus years, I've been in this space. 
and that gives me more satisfaction and that you know there's something yep. i'm able to give back to the society so that's all with all started that is amazing you know there's a few things that i want to call out first off amazing amazing job and pulling that together i know it's not easy it takes time takes creativity takes commitment so amazing job pulling it together but i think there's a few things that you know i i strongly feel uh, passionate about and that's also one of the founding reasons why we founded this this show and uh, stories in ai as a podcast as well as a video show so one is the fact that most of the narratives on very critical frontier technologies like ai is driven by mainstream media and the reality is we don't want hollywood to write the narrative on what ai is which is what everybody thinks of ai they think of terminator they think of the yeah. big red button and ex machina and so forth right so being technologists being in the space knowing this deep enough i have i think we all have a responsibility to get that word out and not be reliant on centralized structures and media yeah. uh, uh houses if you will that's number one so glad you're doing it second i think it also provides an opportunity to and this is not my uh, thought i didn't think of it earlier but somebody pointed it out to me but what we're all doing by creating this digital footprints or uh, or 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 breadcrumbs of this thing we're chronicling history right we're actually talking about and and composing these elements of stuff where in this time in history in 2022 in january these are some of the conversations that made the most sense and these are some of the conversations that you know some of these leaders were talking about right so i think there is a very uh, subtle side of that where you know like i'm a huge believer in decentralization being future being the future of course historically you go back centralized decentralized yeah. centralized decentralized yeah. but in general people organization collaboration and so forth and all of these efforts that you know each of us do as our grassroots efforts that really support and prop up the community and like you said giving back this is all about giving back like you know my stories in ai was founded because i was having all this great conversation with people like you and i was chatting with my friends and they were like man that sounded like you had an amazing conversation i would love to have been in the room with you yeah. and we're like here you go every conversation i have like this yeah. you're going to be in the room with me with yeah. stories in ai so thanks so much yeah. for sharing that um Aruna I don't know one of the things that really um you know and, and you and I have actually exchanged notes about it and talked about it in the past is your deep experience in financial services right insurance banking insurtech fintech and so forth and ai is playing a very very profound and powerful role there it's transforming the industry right i used to you know 5 6 years ago when i was working for one of the companies and i used to actually just pitch this whole thing about i had a slide that we talk about like you take a bank and you disaggregate every single function of the bank and make it a separate entity or a company right which is what is happening to banking right now right and ai provides a fabric for you to deliver better uh, services engage better reduce costs be more efficient and so forth right so talk to talk to me a little bit about some of the use cases you see for the application of data products in ai within the financial services organization yes yeah, yeah, sure i mean always love talking about the financial services i think spend quite a lot of time in that space so uh, i think there's a lot of applications in ai in every team and every business unit right so um, one of the biggest uh, applications i can see in the process uh, optimization right so one of the big uh, thing for banks is there are a lot of process um, that goes through like claims you need to have a lot of process you know paperwork people going from the one place to another place before it gets approved and similarly mortgage processing 
you know, now with KYC needs, you know, a lot of processing, a lot of uh, shaking hands between various teams to do very lot of manual work, time consuming, um, you know, expensive as well. So uh, AI has done a really, really great job in that space. Um, in fact, it has uh, cut down 70% of uh, the cost um, in by, by being automating. Um, you know, for example, if you take claims processing, now AI can using chatbots, you could uh, um, ask the claims, uh, the customer to, uh, you know, put all the records in, in there and you could directly uh, um, compare it against the system data that you have in your system. And if it is a very simple, straightforward, just approve it automatically. You don't need any middle person looking at it. And if it's very complex, then you can have a claims officer analyzing and scrutinizing that. So that is one application where you can, you know, at least, you know, claims officer only looks at complex ones, you know, uh, customers are able to get the claims quicker if it is very simple. The other one is is mortgage, right? As I mentioned, um, you know, you're, you're using computer vision, uh, you know, to digitize all the documents. Um, then you can use uh, natural language processing again, computer vision to categorize these documents. Um, and then uh, the other big thing the loan officer does is compare your application form with all the forms you, you've given, make sure they're all uh, you know, aligned, they're correct. And now you can have um, AI to actually automatically compare uh, between what you said and what you've given uh, and see, you know, that's a huge task for the loan officer. So that all can be automated. So, um, in fact, uh, these days, uh, hyper automation is is uh, companies are looking at hyper automation, which is remote process optimization. You add AI on top of it and ML on top of it, and just revolutionize revolutionize the process industry to the next level. Um, so that's that's yep. where I see where AI has been really really good. The other one is of course fraud. I've been in the fraud space for quite some time, right? So traditionally we use rule-based algorithms to detect fraudulent activities and then stop them. And now banks are all moving digital and more digital means you're also having smarter fraudsters out there trying to come in and make advantage of the situation. Now um, we are using AI and ML technologies, which, uh, you know, looks at thousands, you know, we have right thousands of uh, data points there to figure out, you know, what is the behavior of the customers what is the normal behavior as opposed to, you know, this anomaly, and then try to um, yep. look for those, uh, you know, um, patterns and, and uh, you know, detect and prevent fraud. So, um, and it's been more economical, effective, and real time. So that's been a great uh, um, uh, assistance for fraud, uh, fraud space, e even in credit risk space, right? When you're giving, um, you know, uh, determining credit worthiness, whether I want to give a loan to a person or Traditionally, you ask for all the documents, give me the play slip, uh, I want your account history, transaction history, and then you figure out whether you want to give a loan or not. Now, there are certain sections of the society, people who migrated recently to a country, or young people who are getting into the workforce, they don't have all this history to give, and it's very hard for them. But now, using AI and ML technologies, you could actually look at their digital footprint um, they, you know, geolocation and their behavior, and you can create a profile uh, of those customers and then make a, a judgment, right? And in that way, you're expanding um, the service to all sections of the society and still be able to keep the risk minimal. So, I mean, I can keep on going. There's multiple applications of AI in the financial space, and it's just growing. I mean, 
AI and data science, they're evolving every day. You come up with new um, use cases and that use cases, not only for finance, it can be used elsewhere as well. It's just, you need to think uh, a bit uh, wider and say, okay, I've used this now. I can also use in this one. No, you know, it's it's actually interesting you say that and financial services or any that matter, any any of the industries too, right? A couple of the use, a lot of the use cases you mentioned had a common theme, which is it deals with unstructured data, right? Yeah. And, you know, because which is like 85% of all business documentation yeah, is still, exactly. you know, PDF files and if not paper file, right? So uh, there is an, uh, you know, it's it sounds mundane and very repetitive kind of thing, but it's a very important task of being able to make sense out of the unstructured world because 90% of net new data created in the universe is unstructured data already, right? So uh, it's fascinating. The other thing you called out, which was interesting to me, was the the notion of hyper automation, right? The no, How do you take a business process and completely make it a self-driving business process with ML, AI, RPA, uh, you know, rule-based systems and stuff to really give an experience where the entire um, uh, business process can be on autopilot, yeah. right? So it's fascinating and it's like fascinating times to be working in the in the financial services yeah, industry. Yeah, and sure. I wanted to make um, a note, right? Um, so people say that AI is going to take over the jobs, right? If you look at this processing industry, there's a lot of jobs you're automating. But the thing is, you're actually uh, you're not, you're moving from one, uh, work to a different type of work. It's you're challenging yourself. That's you know humans are meant to be creative and challenge your uh, you know yourself and do you know exciting things rather than mundane repetitive tasks. So I keep saying that AI is not going to replace. It's going to augment the uh, human workforce. Absolutely. No, I I agree with you. I mean, it allows if you if you really focus AI to automate most of the cognitive tasks that are often useless and meaningless, yeah. then you know human beings are now freed up to actually find more meaning, more fulfillment in doing things that they really love. Right? Exactly. That really brings out the best in us, the, the higher order thinking, the challenging and things like that. So yeah. that's awesome. No, thanks for that. Let me ask you the flip side of the question in AI, right? What are the top challenges organizations are facing, not just in deploying AI, but more the, the I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm nudging you towards the other side of ethics and risk and responsible AI, which I know you're very passionate about. So, so what are the top challenges in AI today and what are organizations doing about it? Yeah, so uh, I mean, um, the first challenge I see is uh, organizations' understanding of AI, AI adoption itself. So I've seen, you know, with my experience, like um, top management, some management is not still... Um, you know, got into the terms, they still think it's complex, it's too expensive, uh, too time consuming, um, you know, those sort of things. So we need education of the top management to understand the importance and uh, the applications of AI and what benefit it can bring to the organization. Otherwise, you, you're going to be risking of uh, running, going out of business, right? So that's how serious it is. So um, AI adoption, that's very important. Like you need to figure out uh, you know, where you are, where you want to go, where's my data maturity, where's my uh, AI maturity, all of this, this knowledge about the top management and driving down the importance of that. That's one thing that we need. Um, the other thing you alluded, which is my favorite topic is bias in AI, right? It's a big topic by itself, um, but I'll try to give a few uh, uh, key points, right? One is the biggest challenge is the data itself, right? Now, 
um, you know, bias can happen. Uh, you know, algorithm, it, does, it learns through the data that we give. And if the data is biased, of course, the outcomes is also going to be biased. Example, you have Amazon did the hiring tool, which we all know with the, all the historical data. And we know, uh, you know, uh, in tech industry, uh, men's, uh, you know, or men are more and their pay grades are more than females, uh, all being equal, right? And if you pump in that data, it's going to keep predicting the same thing. And you're going to be amplifying it to many times because uh, humans can only do a certain, you know, damage uh, by this, uh, you know, biased data, but systems can just automate this whole thing and you know, take it to 100 folds, right? Absolutely. There is a real danger. So that is one big um, challenge I see. That's a data bias. There is algorithmic uh, bias as well. The people who actually build um, those systems, you know, they also... Uh, have some biases, right? Again, if you are relying fully technical, uh, again, I'm not trying to men and female, that's easy uh, conversation to have, right? So if you have too many men doing the uh, algorithm building, then you don't have a different perspective. You know, you need to have more women representation, right? They come up with different perspectives, different way of looking at things. Uh, And, um, you know, that is why, you also need to look at diversity in the data that you have. Uh, otherwise, uh, you will be rejecting loans uh, based on that. There was a good example. Uh, I forgot uh, Apple. Apple was a good example where um, the, they were giving um, uh, credit, credit card loans. And this person uh, raised a complaint that he was given uh, two, three times more loan uh, rather than his partner whose credit uh, rating was much better than him. So then they realized that the algorithm was biased towards uh, the way the data was, uh, you know, fed in and all that. So so there is, uh, uh, you know, it can have serious consequences if you don't, um, you know, um, look at the bias aspect. The other one is even the developers, right? The machine learning algorithms, the way you collect the data, the way you sample the data, the way you test your data, um, you know, how it's been implemented, bias can creep in at any stage. And it, we, need, we need to give education to, to all spectrums that, you know, this is something serious that we need to have. And we need to have a risk-based approach. So uh, recommending a movie going wrong is fine. It's not right, but it's okay. But, you know, rejecting a loan for someone or didn't uh, predict a particular disease, which was meant to be because uh, diverse data did not have this particular race or ethnicity in the data is going to be having serious reputation. So we need to be really, really mindful of that. Um, that's my, uh, that's the biggest, uh, next biggest one. Talent itself, I think, uh, is a third big uh, challenge which the companies are, are yeah. facing because I've seen companies, they've made these huge investments in infrastructure and technology only to realize that they don't have the people to actually, uh, you know, um, make value of these right so um that's another challenge so there are again two, two, two yeah. skill sets right you have this technical skill is required to actually build those systems but you also need business skills who understands how to use ai in the business and then uh, know what can go wrong so you need both skills and you need uh, training internally and also you can go externally to uh, you know seek out the uh, consulting firms they have the talent pool um, you know, there are many things. Explainable AI is a big thing. Being in the regulatory and compliance world, uh, you know, if you are using a model to for credit risk uh, 
management and if you can't explain your model uh, to your regulatory authority they won't even approve it right now when it comes to these algorithms simple algorithms yep. you can easily explain them but when it you know uh, come complex deep learning and those sort of complex algorithms the accuracy good the more data it give you the accuracy is good but why did it come up with a certain outcome what were the factors influencing those outcome yeah. so there's a lot of research going on in uh, you know coming up with explainable ai um, Yes, so those sort of things yeah. and the last but not the least is the uh, operationalization of models mlops framework is out there which is helping to productionize yep. the models because 80 percent of the models don't end up being production because of the data change you know infrastructure challenges you need regular monitoring if the monitor can the models can deteriorate in production so all of this uh, i see all these challenges yep. uh, that we need to be um, addressing that's you know that's awesome. If I were to summarize this, I don't know, uh, like you, you, like I think I put it in buckets, right? One bucket is education, awareness, and comfort level, right? All the way from executives to business users, including the side of not just knowing what AI is, but knowing that this is not a technology to take your yeah. jobs away. So what does that mean in terms of upskilling, reskilling, that kind of stuff? So that whole package there. The another bucket is the technical challenges around ML ops, being able to hire the right people to go build the right models, operationalizing experiments that you do in a smaller scale to a production scale and so forth. Another third bucket is this whole bucket of, you know, responsible AI, right? How do you do it in a way that not only is fair, unbiased and stuff, but also accountable, right? I mean, the, the system, you can't just blame the algorithm saying the algorithm made the decision. I'm not the one behind it. There is a human behind it. Somebody made decisions. How do you drive that level of accountability. As somebody said, I, I, I don't even know if somebody really said it, but I like to think of it like, you know, you can't absolve your accountability by putting a veil of technology in front of you, right? Just because a technology is complex doesn't really allow you to absolve your responsibility or accountability in doing that. So that's one la uh, the, the third bucket, I would say. And then the last thing is the kind of related to talent, but also being, you know, understanding the processes, the business outcomes and stuff. How do you translate the technical work to business value, business outcome, and so forth. So fascinating. Now you listed out a lot of problems. Now I want you to tell me how do we solve it? What is your advice for organizations to like AI is like one of those, you know, uh, arc changing technologies that you have to really invest in and you got to lean in for the long term. While the organizations are doing that, how should they think about operationalizing? How do, should they, what are the different pillars of that particular you know, what advice do you have for organizations wherever they are in their AI Yeah, journey? so I think the first and foremost, I would say, is uh, um, look at your, um, you know, uh, AI maturity model, right? So that's the first step, you know, where uh, where is my data? What is my data maturity? Because without data, AI has got no place, right? So you need to make sure you have got, so you need to know where your data is that will dictate what use cases you can do in AI and what you need to get. Uh, so data maturity, then what is your AI maturity you want to get, right? Where I am now, where I want to go. So do a current state analysis, find out where you want to go, look at all the gaps that you have. And, and you know, this is like, uh, th that's the strategy. Then you look at the people aspect, right? Um, what type of skill sets I need? Uh, you know, you need to then go and uh, make sure you got the right skill, either training or hiring, whichever way you want. That's the people side of things then the processes you need to have 
um, streamlined processes, the standards and the governance to, you know, the process aspect of it. Um, the ethical aspect, which I talked about, right? The governance, how do you make sure that um, I've got the right um, governance in place, uh, you know, so that things that we talked about in terms of challenges, you know, do I have a centralized committee who is accountable, which has got representation from various teams uh, to, you know, um, I've seen in, in organizations where um, they take people from business, technical, legal, uh, ethical, put together, create a committee, you know, you have a business problem that you want to, you know, bring the idea to this forum, discuss it. So from the ideation phase to the implementation phase, you go to them and so that you made sure you have a checks and balances all done, right? So there is, um, so people process technology, you need to make sure, look at all these different aspects, look at your maturity model, and then come up with simple use cases, you know, don't start off with complex uh, use cases. Identify one which which gives uh, addresses a business problem and gives a return on investment. Not for the sake of you know I want to use AI right. It needs to be able to solving a business problem. Take something small and also I recommend use pre-existing pre-built uh, uh, AI solutions out there just to test and become confident in that implementation. Once you see it has success, then you can move on into more complex implementations and. Um, you know, in small sizes, um, small initiatives, and then have a roadmap for a year or two uh, to gradually, uh, you know, up your maturity into AI. That's what I would say. Got it. No, it's uh, fascinating advice, right? I mean, just like think through and good framework to think about across the entire spectrum, people, process, technology, building blocks, infrastructure, and then the approach of actually taking start small, but fail fast, fail forward, and then scale from there, right? Prove it out. You know, one thing I love about what you said was this notion that, look, knowledge, when AI is a multi-domain problem, right? When you try to solve problems with machine learning, it's a multi-domain problem. You have business, you have statistics, you have uh, business logic and rules coming in, you have data, you have algorithms, software engineering, you know, DevOps, all these things. So, the approach of actually bringing people from all the disciplines together that can capture their knowledge and then collaborate to go deliver projects, I think is the winning one. I mean, the, 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 there is a lot of momentum in ML ops today, but I fundamentally feel that a lot, a lot of the folks who take only an approach of, hey, here's, I'm, I'm going to get a new ML ops tool set are going to fail miserably because it's beyond just tools. It's people, it's yeah. process, it's technology, yeah. right? So fascinating overview. Thank you for thank you for that. Um, one, uh, what is your current area of focus in AI? What are you focus? What are you spending a lot of time on? Yeah, so there's two aspects I look at. The one is uh, you know uh, being working for a, a you know consulting firm, right? We are looking at the applications of AI. Um, in as I has mentioned earlier, um, you know the the behind the the technology behind the scene is the same. It's how you apply. Uh, to different industry, uh, you need to have a, you know, you need to have a good understanding of the business as well. That's why I think very important, um, you know, yes, technology can go and build great technology solutions, but if you don't know how to um, apply it, um, you know, which industry it can apply, which problem space it can be applied, what opportunities you can gain, that's the, um, that's the knowledge that we need to get to actually make it more scalable and you so that's constantly I look for, uh, you know, you might do a, 
you know, predict maintenance on, uh, you know, on utilities. And then you can look at how do I do a predictive maintenance on the manufacturing you know, area. So there is in the mining industry, right? You're looking for you know, customer behavior in the retail industry. You know, similar things goes into the, uh, you know, uh, you know, credit, credit uh, loan and those of customer sentiments. You can use the same technology, understand the sentiments of different people from different. So it's how you you need to have a good understanding of the technology and be able to apply it to the different business. That's what I constantly think. Uh, that's one area. Second area is AI is a very evolving field. You know, every month there's something new somebody has uh, uh, created and you know, being very, um, you know, active in LinkedIn, I can see a lot of exciting things people share, right? Cool and uh, take, you know, take us, but then I, my, uh, my mind always looks at, okay, this innovative emerging tool, how does it help me uh, in applying to a business or a community or a society to solve a problem? So that's my constant thinking and research and spend my time in that. Got it. Got it. That's amazing. No, it's it's fascinating. And a lot of innovations to come more in that area. So looking forward to your contributions too. Now, I don't know, we're running out of time, but let me ask you a couple of very quick rapid fire questions, right? One is um, AGI, artificial general intelligence. Do you worry about it? Do you think about it? Is that something that bothers you? Um, not really. I know I always say that, uh, you know, uh, we need to embrace technology, but you know, have a human element on it. That's very, very important, right? No matter what it is, you know, if you have human in the front seat driving it and letting the technology do what you want to do and also making a, a decision not to do something even though you think it is profitable, um, but if you think uh, it has got a long-term responsibly you know, risk-based approach, then anything, you know, if you have a control over your technology, then you get to do what you wanted to do so that's where that's my that's what's been my philosophy awesome awesome aruna this was such a blast uh one last question what is a personal share one personal power practice that you employ okay nothing big or great i just uh do meditation a few minutes you know every day when i do the puja nice. uh, you know as part of this i do meditation just to clear my mind uh, in the start of the day and just uh, go go over my day. That's a simple 10, 15 minutes uh, spent on that. Nothing right, but helps me. Very nice. Oh, awesome. I don't know. This is a blast. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and experiences. Where can the viewers and listeners get in touch with you? Where can they find you I mean, on the I'm internet? I'm pretty much everywhere in the social media. LinkedIn by far is the, the biggest uh, medium. Uh, you know, my email is there, my website, you can go and have a look at uh, what I do, you can connect me through email, but I'm there in Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere I'm there. I've got my footprints uh, there, but LinkedIn is my main channel. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks for getting on the show and sharing your insights. It was thanks, a blast. Thanks, Ganesh, and it was a very interesting interaction. Um, you know, I learned, uh, you know, the, some of the things you raised, the questions and also some of the takeaways. It's been really great. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Thank you for inviting me and keep doing Thank you. Keep doing the, what you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for your support. 
I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, I encourage you to do three things. Number one, share with your friends and family. If someone else can learn from this, get inspired and take action, they need to. Number two, subscribe so you do not miss a single episode. You can do it at your favorite podcast location or at youtube.com. Number three, let me know if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for me or my guests. And check out storiesinai.com to access show notes and more resources. Thank you for listening. See you next time.